0: Well, I just want uh, to wish you all a happy new year and I trust that you had a fantastic Christmas. Nice break. Did you have a good break? Did you have good, some good family time? Anybody eat too much food? <laughs> Phew, I thought it was just me. <laughs> so I'm breathing in today. <laughs> it, no, it was good. In fact, we had a quiet, fairly quiet... Quite Christmas, we really enjoyed it. But I needed some downtime because I was conscious that the things are going to get pretty busy over the next uh, couple of months. I think everybody should have received some form of communication from us, uh, that, uh, j- but just to bring us up to speed, we're all on the same page. That, that, so, Davenport District Council have actually sold the property. It's not ours anymore. Well, it never was ours, really, was it? Um, but the whole thing is is that we need to vacate the property by the 23rd of March. Whew. That's not 2019, yeah. unfortunately, it's 2008, that's this year, March this year. So we get lots to do, we're going to be really, really busy, but that's, I think we can do it. <laughs> I think we can do it. The whole thing is, is we've got to find a home for the food bank, a new place to meet, and clear this place out within a couple of months. And so it's going to be a tight schedule, and we're going to try and call upon as many as you as possible. And we're going to reach out to the community as well and say, can you help us, and we'll work together and we'll, we'll do this. <coughs> I'm absolutely certain. So what on earth... What on earth does 2018 have for us? (laughs) Woohoo! What on earth does God have for us in 2018? And I just think, what does God have for us as a community of people, but also what does he have for us as individuals? Because it can be really exciting. I think it is really exciting. I don't know... All of the answers to that, I don't know what he's got in store for you. I don't really know what he has in store for us all as a church. What I can say is that we will face challenges. I know we're going to face obstacles. We're going to face barriers that kind of feel as though we're pushing us back sometimes. We're going to feel a little bit of discouragement. We're going to experience disappointment. We're going to uh, experience um, discomfort and loss. But you know what else we're going to experience? We're going to experience victories. (laughs) We're going to experience battles won, wars won. We're going to experience uh, promises being fulfilled. We're going to experience favour, more favour in God's sight. We're going to experience more freedom. We're going to experience more healing. God has just so much more for us, Vinyad. <laughs> he has so much more and we're going to experience some of that as well this year. So we've got some things to look forward to. It is a thought. None of us, or all of us, we want to kind of live in victory, don't we? We all want victory in life. We all want We all want to succeed. Sorry, some of you are looking at me and going, no Rob, I want to fail this year. <laughs> Actually, it's my goal this year, Rob, like everything I do I want to fail with. <laughs> no, I don't know anybody <laughs> that really wants to fail, you know. I don't know anybody that wants to fail. We all want to uh, succeed. We all want to experience the miraculous. We all want to win. We all want to get there. You know, we want to succeed. We want God to straighten out the path. We want Him to make things smooth. We want Him to part the waters, as it were. We want Him to calm the storm, lift the fog, so that we can see more. You probably even prayed prayers this year, or maybe you prayed them already. God, if you just sort this out in my life, if you just do X, Y, Z, if you just you know, do something over here, do can you provide for me with this? If you just do these things. I'm so behind you. I will be so for you, God. I'll be like sold out for you if you just do X, Y, Z. And I think God has an answer to that request. I think this is okay, (laughs) but you take the first step. You know, okay, but you have got to step out. You've got to do something first. Now, God wants to, uh, I believe, grow in every single one of us faith in 2018. I think he wants to give us big faith. He wants to give us more confidence in him, confidence in his provision, confidence in his strength. But I think that in order for us to keep on track with where God is calling us as a church community, in order for us to keep on track as individuals, I think we've got to do four things Firstly, I think, go back one there. First of all, we've got to hear him. We've got to hear his voice speaking to us. We've got to hear his directing us, leading us. And it's pointless walking anywhere unless he tells us where we're going, right? But we've also, we've got to really hold tightly to the things that he promises us and what he talks to us about. Because they become challenged. They become resisted. Doubts kind of fly in and all sorts. So we really got to hold tight to the things that he has promised and called us to. That's what I mean, focusing on As We experience adversity and health issues and all these things. It's like, mm, hang on a minute, God, where were you taking us? Where did you tell us we were going? And that's where I keep holding on to. Thirdly, we need to take some risks. We've got to step out. You know, the, in the, not the Oxford Dictionary, but the Vineyard Dictionary, <laughs> faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Yeah? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. we just got, we've got to take some risks, uh, each and every one of us. And then Leslie, we've, we've got to hold his hand. I mean, what I mean by that, we've got to walk with him in an intimate relationship. This whole journey is centred on a relationship with God and we can't do anything without him this week I was really encouraged this week reading the story of Joshua has anybody read Joshua's story lately? Story Joshua, I hadn't read it for a long long time but I read it this week um, and I was really encouraged about him, he's in the Old Testament by the way, he's kind of like the successor to Moses, you know Moses kind of hands over the baton of leadership, leading the people of Israel, uh, hands it over to Joshua. He's kind of his, he was kind of his second in command for a little while, if you like. Um, but what I think is, is <coughs> Joshua seemed to be successful, if that's the right word, he successfully stepped into the destiny that God had given them and the promises that God had given them because he adhered to these things. And that's what I see flowing through the Joshua story. Man, he listened to God. He actually held on to the things that God was saying to him when challenges come his way. He took loads of risks. We're so to talk about the risks that he takes. And he was just constantly walking with God by his side. You remember well, those that were around early part of last year. Joe. Joshua, not Joseph, Joshua. <laughs> Joshua. I tell you, I've called him Jonah, Joseph, as I've been talking about him to various people. Joseph, Jonah, no, it's Joshua, definitely Joshua that we're talking about. Joshua, he had a mention that last year when we were, um, I was talking about Moses, the Moses story. And Joshua gets a mention in that. Actually, let me just kind of recap with you what I talked about with the Moses story. God commissioned Moses to um, bring out the Israelites from the place of bondage, right? So they've been slaves for something like 400 years in Egypt. And you see what God is doing, he's bringing these people. And remember, there's like two, two and a half million Israelites. And more. There's additional people that actually came out with them. God is bringing them into a land that He has promised them. This land called Canaan. It's the the, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. Hey, sweet. And so uh, Moses is bringing them out, and God in the pro- God, God in the process He demonstrates so many miraculous encounters in, in the process you remember there was like uh, plagues, you know when they was confronting the pharaoh and there was all those, those plagues uh, there was yeah, the parting of the Red Sea, <laughs> a pillar of smoke that they followed uh, and the pillar of fire God just showed so many things, and m- miraculous occurrences and provision, God provided for them miraculously, there was quail and um, manna, yeah, like a bread type Substance that would fall from the sky every day, so they could eat. God provided that. He provided water through a rock of all things. He provided for them miraculously. They, ha- they followed God, and they kind of—they didn't—they went from Egypt and they were going to Canaan, and they didn't take the direct route. Uh, there was lots of reasons for that. It's like Philistine, Philistine country. And God kind of knew that if they come out of Egypt and straight into conflict with Philistines, they'll probably just turn back to Egypt anyway. So they, and besides, he's got lots of things he was going to teach them. So he takes them south and they kind of curl around the bottom of Mount Sinai. And they go around the bottom of Sinai. It's there where they cross over the Red Sea, the miraculous parting of the waters. And they come up the east side of Sinai. <clears throat> and it's there they camp out at a place called Kadesh Barnea. They're in Kadesh Barnea, and this is a place which is right on the doorstep of Canaan. It was like, not quite a stone through, but they could see where they're heading. It isn't that far away. <coughs> and whilst they are camped out at Kadesh Barnea, Moses instructs 12, instructs 12 men, They're kind of like spies, kind of like uh, observers, scouts. And he asked them to go into Canaan and go and scout the area, go and check out the country. Um, He asked them to check out the towns. What kind of towns are they? Kind of fortified towns. They've got walls around them. Are they just regular towns? What are the people like in there? Are they sort of big people? They look tough or strong? What about the land itself? Is it good? Is it going to yield some good food? and Good, good for farming and so on and so forth. Well, among these 12 spies that he sends out was Joshua and a guy called Caleb, which we'll come back to Caleb in a moment. But, so these 12 guys all go out and spend some time in Canaan just checking the arrow out. Well, when the spies come back, 10 of the 12 come back with a very negative report. Very, very negative, very ah, fear mongering. And they were just like saying things like, mm-hmm, man, there's no way we're going to go in there. Th- those guys are huge. Have you seen them? I mean, we, when we went out there, we, we, we felt like, like this. And we were like grasshoppers to them. You know? We were so small. And they were saying things like, man, even the lamb, that devours people. And they was just like exaggerating. That's like, but it does, doesn't it? it? Exaggerates our obstacles. So they were kind of coming back with, uh, with that sort of report. But Joshua and Caleb had a different story, So They were like to the others. Shut up! <laughs> Just shut it. You're freaking everybody out here. We can do this. God has called us to go into this place. He's promised this land to us. And he is with us. He said he'll never leave us. So we can do it. Come on, let's get in there. Let's go for it. Now, unfortunately, the people, they actually listened to the negative reports. <laughs> unfortunately, they, they listened to the fears within them and they opted not to go for it. And that choice well, it had all sorts of consequences, very negative consequences. It resulted in them wandering around in the desert for 40 years, running circles. Ran because they wouldn't face the fears, they wouldn't face the challenges. Whilst they were in their wild wilderness wanderings, um, Moses he had to form some kind of like makeshift army to defend himself, so to defend the people as enemies and things come along. And he arranged for Joshua to kind of be the military leader in that. He and, he and Joshua kind of led from a military standpoint. And they, and they kind of encountered numerous battles with Amorites and Amalekites and all sorts. of Amorites, all sorts of paint, I was going to say. It's a hammerite, right though, isn't it? Amorites. Um, during the, the 40 years... Of wondering it ran in the wilderness, it came to the time when Moses grew old and he died, and the leadership baton, as I said earlier, was literally handed over to Joshua. So that's where Joshua kind of come, really comes into the story. He does feature a few times prior to this, but this is where we want to pick it up. So if you want to follow along, it's in Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter one. Um, as usual we'll have the words come up anyway but I'm just going to read through some of the parts of of Joshua which I found really encouraging Joshua 1 verse 1 says after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun Moses' assistant Moses my servant is dead now then you and all the people Get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land that I'm uh, I'm about to give to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. wherever you go. Three times, God says to them, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong and courageous. courageous." It's like if the people, in order for the people to step into the promises that God has for them, they are going to need to be strong and courageous. What does that say about us? You know, if we are going to step into the things that God has called us to, we also are going to be, need to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. <clears throat> I find it really interesting how, um, how God kind of re-emphasises this. Come on, get ready, we're about to go. In the next couple of verses, it says in verse 10, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people... Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land uh, the Lord your God is given to you for your own. Now, we could just read over that quite, quite quickly. But I kind of like came up to that small, seemingly insignificant phrase, three days from now. Mm, I kind of like. There's something some like in that three days from now. Do you know there are so many places in the Old Testament where the people are told God's going to come through for you, God's going to rescue you, God's going to you know, bring you out. He's going to do something, but there's going to be a period of waiting beforehand, and that period of waiting is often expressed as three days often expressed as three days. I'll give you some examples. I don't think I've got these on the, uh, on the slides. But in Genesis 40, this is like Joseph. Joseph he is, there is Joseph. I knew Joseph was in it somewhere. Joseph is interpreting the cupbearer's dream. You remember that? <coughs> in verse 13 it says, of Genesis 40, In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. In Exodus 19:11. 11... It says, and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in, in the sight of all the people. A little bit further down in verse 15. Then he said to the people, prepare yourself for the third day. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning uh, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very, a very loud trumpet blast. This is right when God was giving the people the Ten Commandments on the third day. The story of Esther, I don't know whether you read that recently in Esther. Queen Esther, she's about to literally risk her life by coming before the, the Persian king without being summoned. This was like unheard of. This was despicable. I mean, you got right really into trouble for this. But she's going to like come before him and in preparation for that, she instructs the Jewish people to, to fast and pray. Have a guess for how long? Three days. Three days. And it was through that, that engagement that she had with the king that it was revealed that the Jewish people, were, there was a plot to kill the Jewish people. And so they were able to put it to a stop. So it's like a, an amazing kind of series of events. Three days, though. Preparation and anticipation. Jonah swallowed up in a big fish. How long is he in the belly of the big fish for? Three days. Three days before he's actually released again. And he's after he was praying, Jonah was always praying, I want to go out the way that I came in. (laughs) He did. Check out Hosea, the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. On the third day. something about these three days. On the third day. And it's not just an Old Testament thing, by the way. In the New Testament, this is Paul writing about Jesus. He said, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Three Three days on the third day. I was just thinking thinking there's something in this. It's like the third day is God's day. The third day is God's day. This is the day when prisoners get set free. This is the day where... (coughs) Mountains shake uh, and rivers they part. This is the day where young orphaned Jewish girls they stand up against kings <laughs> and face kings. This is the day where prophets get spewed out onto seashore like <laughs> again you know, my big fish. <clears throat> this is the day when big stones get rolled away from tombs to reveal that crucified carpenters have been right. raised from the dead. On the third. Day. I really think there's something God's speaking in this Okay, I rarely stand up here I, I, you know, all the I don't know, 15, 17 years 15, 15 years we've been here 16 years I, I rarely stand up here and say I really feel God is saying but I'm going to say it today because I really feel God is speaking through this <clears throat> I think God He's saying to the church, get ready. I think he's saying, get prepared. You are about to experience a third day event. You're about to experience a third day event. You're going to be okay. And I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And I'm, you're going to pass through the resistance. You're going to pass through it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be, you know, just a walk in the park and you're going to have to be strong and courageous. But you're going to pass through the Jordan. And, and you know what? He says the promises are on the other side. You're going to get through and the promises are on the other side. I really feel that is something for us as a church. But I also think it is for individuals. There's something for individuals in that as well. You're in, up to that resistance, adversity, things are coming your way. But God is saying, You're going to go through it. But we've got to do something. We're really going to have to do something first. Uh, in our Joshua text in here, God has got something extraordinary he's about to do with the people, um, the people of Israel. And it's all going to happen on this third day so after God has given these promises all the promises that he gave to Moses essentially he's now passed them these promises on to Joshua then we come to Joshua chapter 2 now we, we don't have time <laughs> to read all of the passages okay so I'm just going to paraphrase just skim over this part of the story but jo- Joshua he sends two spies, just like Moses did all those years earlier, 40 years earlier. He sends two spies to go over, into, over the Jordan and go into Jericho to check it out what it, what's going on in there. It's like, we're going to try and take this fortified city and we need some kind of strategy to actually do it. So he sends these two in to, do, to, to like risk assess. <laughs> Do a risk assessment, really? No, just assess their military capability. Can you go and check things out? So these two spies they go in and they find themselves staying in the house of a prostitute, no less, a, a lady called Rahab. Now somehow the king uh, of Jericho he discovers that these two Jewish people that are in his area and they're at this woman's house, Rahab. So he sends a couple of his officials around to seize them. Now, on turning up to Rahab's house, she tells them, yes, I have had two strangers come in to me. I, I didn't know who they were. Uh, and in fact, they've gone now. Um, I don't know where they've gone, but they've only just left. So if you hurry up, you'll probably catch them. So they, she kind of sends them off. You, you'll probably catch them. She was telling a bit of a porky, because <laughs> she was actually hiding them in the roof of her house. Okay. <clears throat> now, what she did there clearly was risking her own life. She was risking her life. She got found out that she was keeping these two spies. She'd have been, anyway, been death. So why on earth would she do that? Why did she do that? Well, the text in, in Joshua 2, it actually says that she had heard how the Lord had reserved the land for, uh, of Israel, uh, for Israel. She'd heard the stories about how God had parted the seas for them. She'd heard the stories of how he had provided for them. They'd heard the stories of how God had been with the people of Israel such that they that they'd overcome in battles. They were victorious in battles. She'd heard all about the God of Israel and she was about to bet everything she had on him. Stake everything she had on him. So in spite of the fact that she's a uh, pagan and in spite of the fact that she was um, a prostitute, she becomes kind of a hero of the faith. She's a hero. And in fact she's celebrated and she's mentioned in numerous passages throughout the Bible. In the New Testament as well. She's mentioned in Matthew's Gospel. She's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And she's mentioned in the book of James. Jesus' brother wrote about her. She's a hero. And she's a hero because she does what God asks of absolutely anybody. Just to simply trust God. To put their confidence and trust in God. So we come to chapter 3. Chapter 3. This is the third day. (laughs) The third day is in chapter (laughs) 3 of Joshua. This is the day that God is going to do something really remarkable. But there's something that the people have to do first. So here they are. They're right on the edge of the east side of the River Jordan. But God tells them, you're actually going to cross the Jordan you're going to cross in a very specific way. The procession is going to be led by the Levitical priests and they're going to be carrying the ark of the covenant of God. Remember that? The big wooden box that's laden with gold commandments inside, loads of artifacts inside. The priests are going to lead the way. This thing represented God's presence and I guess what this symbolises is that God is going to go in front. They're saying God's presence is going to lead them. That's what they're communicating in this, symbolically. God's going to guide them in their way. But check out how God is going to do this. This is in verse 13 of the chapter. It says, And as soon as the priests who carried the ark, carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot into the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap there you go how many do you realize that god parted the waters two times for the, for the people of israel now this was no small event this is as significant as the parting of the red sea this is a big deal within jewish culture within jewish history the river jordan was viewed as a dividing line in the land It was like a barrier. It was an obstacle. God even used it to contain people and restrict their movements, their coming and going. He used the Jordan River. It was a a barrier. In Deuteronomy 3, Moses he asks God if he can cross over the Jordan to go into the good land on the other side. And and back then, on on that occasion, God was like, nope. (laughs) Nope. You're not going." And it kind of restricted him. Uh, Used. The river. And so the river is like a barrier. Now, now this is the thing which you stood in between God's people. They're on the east side in a place called Shittim, which gives me great pleasure to say in front of the church. <laughs> I, I was going to get everybody to say, one, two, three. No, okay, so they're in this place. This, the river is in between all the people on the east side and the life and the land that God has for them on the west. It's the, the barrier in between. Now, for the most part, the Jordan River wasn't a particularly wide river. It wasn't a particularly challenging river. However, at this time of the year it was. Like what it says in verse 15. It says, Now the Jordan is in flood stage all during harvest. So God's people, they're about to cross the Jordan River whilst it's in flood stage. This means actually getting across the river is going to be particularly challenging. In fact, this is going to be so difficult, it's going to be a perilous task. It's going to be very, very dangerous. Now, I'm told that the River Jordan during this time would have been around about 150 feet across and around about 10 to 20 feet deep and what's more, the banks were really, really steep. You know, I don't know whether you've. Been, have anybody been on holidays in Great Yarmouth? Yeah, a couple of people. Have we been in the sea? It's freezing, and it's filthy. But you can, you kind of walk in, and sit your ankles. And then you, you walk for a long time, and it's. it's, it's, it's calves, you walk further, so it's at your knees eventually it comes up to your waist and if you carry on walking it goes down again <laughs> there's like a little bank of it further out, it's weird but no, so it's yeah, it was gradually getting deep well this the river Jordan wasn't like that, the, the minute you step into the Jordan you're in, in the river it's so steep and it is fast moving uh, you know, water gushing down from Mount Horeb into uh, the Dead Sea and this is where they're going to cross. Can you imagine for a minute what they're probably thinking at this stage? And Joshua says, we're going to cross there. They're thinking, man, we've come all of this way. The promised land is just over there. We can kind of see it. And there's this fast-moving, flooded river in between us. And we've got to go and cross it. I must have been thinking, what on earth is Joshua thinking? What has he done to us? What's going on? But God says, I'll make a way. I'm going to make a way. Trust me. But you have to first go and walk down into the river. And once you do, then I'll make a way. But you've got to do it first. Now... I just want you to try and imagine, right, being one of the priests. <laughs> the guys carrying the ark of the Lord right up front. Worse than that, think to yourself you're you're the front priest. <laughs> you're the first one that's going to step in. <clears throat> There's no illusions here. This water is moving fast, and if the water doesn't part, there is no other option to you other than to say goodbye <laughs> because <clears throat> you go you go down in stream real real quick. <clears throat> now I don't know about you, but if if I was that lead priest, I, I think I'd be turning round to the priest behind me and saying, I'm trying to kind of coax him and say, "Hang on a minute, I seem to remember I was in front yesterday. <sighs> I think it's your turn to be in front." the people of Israel must have felt like they're facing some kind of impenetrable barrier. We're not going to get through this. So they're thinking to themselves as well, but hang on, surely God, God's got the power. He can make a way. He could cut, cut away through this. He could just like, boom, mighty strong arm, stop the water, mm, big space, dry land. We could walk through then. But all Joseph, Joseph, Joshua knew, if I keep saying Joseph, if you knew I'm talking about Joshua there, all Joshua knew is that God—they would not see God's power, they would not see the mighty display of God's faithfulness, His power, and His sufficiency until they took the first step. They got to take the first step. So God was saying, "Yep, I want you to take the first step into the river, and then I'm going to show you something." <laughs> I want you to take the first step, then I'm going to do something. Then you're going to see my hand uh, come down. You're going to see me do something. Remember, this is the third day event. We said we're going to cross. It's the third day. And something extraordinary is about to happen. But you've got to do something first. That's what I think God's saying to us. I think God is saying that to us as a church and I think he's saying it to individuals here as well. He's saying, you know what? In me is everything you need. Everything you need. I am sufficient. My power is sufficient. But you won't see my power. Unless, if you want to see my power, you're going to have to take the first step you want to see my pay, you're going to have to take a risk. If you want to enter into the life and the promises that I have invited you into, if you're going to step into the destiny, into the promises that I have for you, then you're going to have to risk and you're going to have to trust me. In the chapters that follow in the book of uh, Joshua, not Jonah, <laughs> talks, it talks a lot about the battles, things that the people, God's people have to go through. And this is a constant thread that seems to go through it all. It's all about, will they trust God enough to do exactly what God is asking them to do? Yeah? Will, will they trust him enough to actually take the first step? Do something before they've actually seen God move. It's a common thread all the way through. I love this book, and thats why I think it's relevant to us. I'll give you a couple of examples. yeah got time. In chapter five, we read how God instructs Joshua to have all the men circumcised. <coughs> think about this: Who, in their right mind, you know they're about to go into war with a fairly tough bunch about to go into a battle. They've just come across a river which is now free flowing behind them again so there's nowhere to run. (laughs) Who gets all of their men circumcised? You know, in that moment, get all their men circumcised. Nobody. Nobody does that. It makes no sense. But again, God is saying, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust that I'll protect you? So, with that guys, if you want to form an orderly line we, uh, <laughs> I really feel God's speaking to us about no, no,, no not that bit, okay <clears throat> Ooh. now what what 's really interesting is that is that they do what well, they do what God instructed that every male that was born in that generation that was born out there in that wilderness time, forty years, they actually. At the job so to speak um, but something significant happened on that day as well Listen to this: it's, they celebrated the Passover which was something that they did every year but the next day you know the manna the bread the, the, that God had given them ever since they went into the, the wilderness that stopped the next day and so the next day was the first day that they actually had a meal they had food which is from the from the land, from the promised land, from the Canaan. It's so like this is our first meal from Canaan, from the land of milk and honey. It's our first meal. It's a landmark moment uh, for them. Another example. In Joshua 6, it talks about the actual taking of Jericho, Okay, the Greek walled city. Many of you know the story. But God says... Okay, guys. Let me tell you how this is going to work. <clears throat> For six days, you're all going to like walk around. The, all your army is going to walk around the perimeter of the wall just once every day. You camp, camp up, and then on the seventh day, you're going to wander around the walls seven times. And on the seventh day, you're going to go around. You get a shout. Ah! <clears throat> Makes sense, right? It seemed really dumb to them. i thought like this is stupid. It, you know, this is how we're going to. T- we can just, I We can break down the gates. We can get in. There's enough. We're overpowered. God's with us. We can. But no, we've got to do this. We've got to, you know, walk around six days. Walk around seven days, seven times, and shout. What are you thinking, God? Why would you have us do this? Well, I think the answer to that is in verse two. But it says, it's so that you will see that I have uh, delivered Jericho into your hands. See that I have. You see, they needed to know that it wasn't through their military tactics and through their strategizing. It was through God's hand. He was going to deliver them, deliver Jericho into their hands. God says, will you trust me? And will you trust me? enough to do the thing that I tell you to do, even if it's a little bit strange. Even if it doesn't make sense to you. If it, you know, totally nonsensical. And maybe you're even going to look a little bit stupid. A bit foolish. But will you trust me? As I say, this seems to be a key thing right the way through the book of Jonah. I just want to finish... Uh, by asking us a question to consider. I want you to think about what is your Jordan River right now in your life? What is your Jordan River? What is that barrier? Where is it God is asking you to take that first step? Take the first step of faith. Is there anything that might be keeping you and holding you back from responding to whatever God is putting on your heart. And maybe it's put on your heart for many, many years, but is there still something holding you back? Every single one of us faces barriers like the Jordan. We all have those, those barriers that try to prevent us from entering into the life that God has for us. They prevent us from stepping into the promises that God has has made to us, and usually these things they kind of play play to our fears, don't they ah fear ah you can't yes, I just think two thousand and eighteen can be just another year it oh, just ain't it can be another year, like most years you know in fact, it could be a year that we bow down to our fears, all those fears. We can bear down to our fears, those fears that say you, you can't overcome. You're not strong enough. You're not old enough. You're too old. <laughs> you haven't been a Christian long enough. You can't do it. And so he turned back. He turned back and go back to the safety of familiarity. You know, just I oh, just stay here. That's what the Israelites did. You know, 40 years earlier. I oh, just stay here. Effectively what we do is we just go up to it, we go, ah, listen to the fish, and walk back and end up circling around in the wilderness again. Is that what we want? I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Are you going to sit around on the banks of your Jordan and just waiting for God to part the water before you make your move? <clears throat> you know, maybe you um, Maybe you're tempted to think, God, if you just give me lots and lots of money and um, then I'll be generous with what you give to me. But you know what? Do you know, I think you know, if we stand on the side of our Jordan and we say to God, God, will you just make it easier for me? Will you give me lots of resources and then I'm going to be generous? I think we're going to be waiting for a long time. Maybe you're tempted to think, God, if you just give me more confidence, then I'll go and tell somebody about you. Just give me a bit more confidence. Yeah, I, 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 it's true. If you step out and you speak to somebody about Jesus and all that he's done, maybe they won't agree with you. Maybe they'll just oppose you or what you say. They won't agree. They won't receive Jesus. Maybe you'll invite some people to church and and they'll just reject you, turn down your offer. No, 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 thanks. But, if you don't invite them, how on earth are they going to say yes? (laughs) How can they say yes if you don't ask somebody? (laughs) So that could be a, a typical 2018 or 2018 is it going to be a year where we trust God? We trust God for a third day event in our life. Are you trusting God for a third day event? For us as a church and as well as for you as an individual. Is it going to be a, a third day event where you're going to press through the barriers, the things that are pushing you back? Are you going to actually go with his presence first? You spend time with him. Let him lead you. Your gut's power is so available to those who are willing to take the first step. That's what we've got to do. We've got to take the first step. We've got to risk. We've got to trust him. So, how about if 2018 was a year of spiritual risk-taking? <laughs> You're not buying into this, so. are <laughs> you? You are. People know it. They're like, "Yes, come on. In that case, why don't we stand? <laughs> um, can, Rob, would you join me? And uh, uh, Nick, would you be able to join me? we we might go to the minister uh, sorry I sprung this on them I always do this and so we're just going to ask God to move in us these guys are going to do that (laughs) 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 well all we're going to do is we're going to release people to pray for each other yeah along the lines of what I think I've been saying if you can remember (laughs) So a couple of minutes just to kind of think to get your mind on guard, what God wants to do, what he wants to say. And as you're thinking about that, I just pray, come Holy Spirit.